This is Jim Fleming. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Stuart Heights or more about our class, or if you'd like to leave us some feedback, you can do so at teachings.jim314.com. Enjoy the lesson. Well, good morning, everybody. So uh, I actually called an audible yesterday, which I almost never do anymore. So uh, I got to looking at several different things, and we've had, uh, you may or may not have noticed, but there's construction going on in this building. If you want to go upstairs directly above us into the youth wing, you can see what the finished product or the probably 90% finished product looks like for uh, the renovations here. Uh, The other side of upstairs is going to be done as well, and our classroom will be done. Uh, And we were actually originally scheduled to be out of this room today, and as all construction projects do, it got delayed and shifted a little bit. So we're going to be out of here two weeks from today. Uh, I'm going to be participating in a uh, one of those one-week home builds in a couple of weeks, the week after that. The week after that is Mother's Day. And so it was just going to be a real different kind of schedule for the next few weeks. So uh, I've shifted gears, and we're going to do two weeks of one another's. And then when we come back from all of that stuff, we'll pick up with Colossians' schedule where we started... Uh, where I wanted to start uh, when we set the schedule out for the beginning of the year. So we're basically just going to push Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Well, that sounds awful, doesn't it? That sounded better in my head. Yeah, we're going to give their full attention at the end of Colossians as opposed to starting today and doing that. The other piece that kind of helped me go that direction was as I was studying... Uh, the person of Jesus Christ this week it is, I think, the longest chapter in Wayne Grudem's book and probably needs at least two Sunday school lessons, if not three. So it's a, it's a hefty chunk of material and because you know, if you're going to talk about the nature of Jesus and the uh, man and the God and the, how that works together and what bad examples are and what good examples are, it's just a lot going on with that. So uh, we're going to do two weeks in one another's, which I didn't realize until late last night was, I think... I think the very first series that I taught in this room when we came to Hickson uh, way, way, way back when. I taught this in early 2008. Uh, We came to Hickson in September-ish of 2007, uh, and there was only one Sunday school class for the first six months or so, and that was Daryl. Some of y'all remember that. Uh, And then six months later, we kicked this one off, and there were a couple others that kicked off. And I believe that I actually started in this room uh, with the one another. So I think it's kind of funny that we'll end in the decor of this room with the one another's and then come back in a couple of weeks and have a different look. So uh, so the one another's. So how many of you have ever heard this concept before? Most people have. No? A few? Yes? Another? Okay. So the, the basic idea is that there are a lot of verses in the Bible. Right? Okay. I thought that was funny if I... I thought, I would, I thought it was funny if I paused there, but I guess not. Maybe not, right? So there's a lot of verses in the Bible, and there's a lot of verses that specifically are written to believers that tell believers what we should be doing, how we should be behaving, um, how we interact, how we talk to each other, how we don't talk to each other, what our attitudes are, those types of things. And these are just kind of collectively known as the one another's. And depending upon what Bible translation you have, it may say one another or each other or something like that, but... 
Um, it's there, so we'll, we'll walk through some of these. So today we're going to look at uh, the one another attitudes and the one another actions, and then next week we'll look at activities and admonitions. So this is uh, borrowing from an old outline where I was still committed to alliteration at all times, so I'll apologize for that now. Uh, maybe you guys can help me come up with better titles for today's and next week's, and, and we won't have to do this this way. So uh, we'll start off with the, the attitudes. I think the predominant attitude that Jesus teaches uh, in the New Testament is this attitude of love. Uh, so your first blank at the top of your handout there is Jesus gives a new commandment. This is agape love. So there are uh, several different words for love in the New Testament. Uh, agape is probably the strongest, most aggressive, seeking the highest good of another. Uh, somebody tell me another one. Phileo. Phileo. So phileo is what, Tim, the elder? It is brotherly love, right. So we get our city Philadelphia from that, the city of brotherly love. Uh, so we got agape, or agapeo, depending on how you've heard it pronounced, and you got phileo. What else you got? Eros. Eros, right, which is like, I want to kiss you love, right? Um, <clears throat> and then you have what other kind of love? So that was the phileo, was the friendship love, yeah. So when they call it starts with an S. This one doesn't get talked about very often in churches. Uh, storge or storgi. Uh, it's the familial love. So this is the love that you have, not necessarily for your spouse, but for your kids or for your cousins or your uncles or your parents or those types of things. This, this love that I'm going to, we're, we're blood, this is how this is, that type of thing. And we'll actually look at one verse in the New Testament that combines a couple of these words. So the, the, easy, the easy verse for the uh, Jesus gives a new commandment is John 13, 34, 35. Uh, a new commandment I give to you that you love or agape one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And, and if you think about that for just a second, so he tells them to love each other. He's talking to his disciples. He tells his disciples to love one another like he has loved them. So talk about a high bar, right? This is not just a, oh, you should, you should really prefer, you should help, you should do it. No, you should love each other like I have loved you. And this is John 13. So, so he hasn't died on the cross yet, right? He hasn't physically sacrificed his body for the world yet, but he has loved them in a way that is very uh, visible to them. And then he follows that up in verse 35 with, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So not if you have really good doctrine, not if you have really good PowerPoints, not if you have really good outlines, not if you have really good whatever. You'll, people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So there's just gobs and gobs and gobs of other verses where this is repeated in the New Testament, where other people pick up this theme, but this idea, this attitude uh, toward one another of love. And, and I heard somebody say one time that if, you, if you're having an interaction with somebody and, and there's an awkward moment, and we've never had an awkward moment, right? There's some awkward moment and somebody says something that's just ridiculously out of place. And... And we've all been in those scenarios where somebody has embarrassed themselves and they've embarrassed themselves relatively publicly and we insert awkward silence. Right? I mean, Jerry Seinfeld made a whole TV show about this concept for however many years that was. Well, so what do you do in that awkward silence? You, you love one another, right? Because we're going to embarrass ourselves at some point publicly. I get an opportunity to do it almost every week. Um, I think I do it almost every week, but that's okay. Uh, 
Amy's being kind now. She's not laughing out loud. She's laughing inside, but that's all right. Uh, but what do we do when we, when we experience those? We default toward love. This, is our, this should be the Christian's default setting. So this agape love, this attitude of love. So a couple of the attitudes. Um, Romans 12, 16. Uh, Romans 12, 16 says, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. So the blank there is to be harmonious. <clears throat> so we're to, to love one another. And then it, it kind of feels like we're fleshing this concept out just a little bit. So it's not just, I'm not just going to love you, but I'm going to be harmonious, which is different, right? So harmonious is the desire that many of us have for our homes, right? You like to be able to go home and have a harmonious home, that it be peaceful, that it be people get along. How often does this actually happen? Well, it depends. That's why we relish the days that it does, right? Uh, so this idea of, uh, another way to translate this, be of the same mind, is to cherish the same views. Um, so, so if I hear uh, Tim Barima uh, espouse something that, you know, what are you eating there this morning, Tim? Sausage biscuits. Sausage biscuits. You like sausage biscuits? Awesome. So, so I want to live in harmony with you, and I actually particularly don't like sausage biscuits. I, I'm not a big fan of sausage biscuits. Mm -hmm. But... But I don't want to disparage you just because you like sausage biscuits. So I'm going to be harmonious. I'm going to cherish your view and not devalue you because of something you like. Don't miss this, guys, because we do this a lot, right? We do this a whole lot. We devalue somebody because of something that they do or say or believe or prefer when we are commanded to be harmonious, period, right? Now, so if somebody, if somebody were to raise their hand and say, um, what about somebody says Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead? Time out. We're not going to be harmonious over that, right? Because now we have entered off into heresy, and something that would derail someone's relationship with Jesus, and we're going to speak against that. So, so Tim, if you prefer, and you don't, and I know you don't because we've had conversations about this, but if you were to prefer to say that Jesus did not, was not raised from the dead, I would say, no, you are wrong. I'm going to love you, but you're wrong, and let's talk through that. right? But it's not a, um, I'm going to go attack you as a person, even though... That's really easy to do, and even though we get a lot of examples of that. So, Dave, yes. So, does this apply to college football? Does this apply to college football? Let's look at the text. <laughs> be of the same. I'm serious. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Looks to me like you're supposed to be a Vandy fan. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> do not be wise in your own opinion. Well, I just got rebuked right there, didn't I? So that's, okay. Yeah. You give it, that's the beautiful thing about this scripture, right? You give it just a second, and it will deal with whatever you just did. It will deal with it. It's beautiful. Yes, Miss Darla? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you had, okay, cool. So, so this idea of be harmonious. Uh, and then Romans 15, 5 says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another which kind of makes me feel like there's patience and comfort embedded in this concept. Um, 
to pull off the like-mindedness, there's got to be some patience and some comfort, uh, according to Christ Jesus. So then we get to this Romans 12.10, and there's this kind of, it, it's, it's almost like Paul makes up a word right here in the middle of this verse, um, because he takes this word philos, and he takes this word storge, and he combines them, and literally the word is philostorgos, which is just, you just mashed them up together. So he says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. So, so I, philos is friendship. Storge is familial love. So be friendly like their family to one another, which I think if there's a hook that I'm going to hang my Christianity hat on when I walk in this building, it's that one. Because you're my family which is why I get really aggravated sometimes when folks start to run down Stuart Heights because this is my family. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay, cool. So, Philostorgos. All right, and then another one is uh, hupotasso, um, which sounds like a cowboy term, but I don't think it is. <clears throat> so, Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another in the, fil- in the fear of God. So, this is this voluntary attitude of giving in or cooperating. Here's your blank. Assuming responsibility and carrying a burden. So assuming responsibility. Now there's, there's two sides to responsibility, right? There's the responsibility that I have to get up and do what I'm supposed to do with my life. And then there's a the responsibility that we have to help us get through whatever God puts in our path. This is the we part of this. This is not the me part of this. The me part of this is be diligent, to show yourself a workman, approve, those types of things. The we part of this is there are some things that are put in our path that we cannot do individually, that we need help with. This is the assuming responsibility for others in helping. Um, you know, this is what we do when, uh, when we have somebody who has a, a death in the family. We come alongside and we help and we bring food. When somebody has a surgery, we come alongside and we help and we provide. When somebody needs a hand, we jump up and we go deal with that. When somebody needs a cup of water because their throat is dry while they're teaching, somebody jumps up and they goes, I don't. I was just, three of you almost darted out the door to do that. So I almost let you do it, just see how many I could get to do it, but that's okay. Um, but this is this idea of assuming responsibility and carrying others' burdens. Uh, and then Philippians 2, 3, I really like this one. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition. Uh, if you've got a Bible, pull that verse up. I want to see what your translation says on this. Uh, Philippians 2, 3. <clears throat> Let nothing be done through... And then what's that, what's that term there? Selfish, Selfish ambition. Vain Good. Glory. Vain glory. That's a... Like, I dare you to use vainglory at work tomorrow, right? Vainglory. That's just vain. Stand up and tell somebody in a meeting, that's just vainglory. I'm like, what? That's not how any of this works, right? Um, what's that? Empty conceit. Empty conceit. That's pretty good. Uh, another way to translate this, in one of the definitions, that, one of the uh, dictionaries that I went to, said electioneering. Like, that's not a word I hear very often. Electioneering. So, um, you may know what electioneering is. It's politicking. It's exactly what it is. It's, I'm trying to rig votes. I'm trying to position myself so that I get my way 
and that I get the votes that I need to do what I want to do. So let's put that in there, right? So let nothing be done through electioneering, through politicking. Now this does not mean don't go be a politician. This means don't try to manipulate the body of Christ into getting what I want for my purposes. Right? Because we're to be all about others and all about what Jesus needs. So let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem or think of others better than himself. The, uh, the blanks there for others better than himself is stand out. Stand out. <clears throat> so I want you to think about the last, uh, the last child's sporting event that you saw. Okay? Last child's sporting event that you saw. And when was the last time that you saw a child do everything they could do to help somebody else stand out? As opposed to, I want to stand out. I want to be the one that kicks the ball. I want to be the one that hits the ball. I want to be the one that scored. When, when you saw some, I want to help somebody else stand out. And that's what this word is talking about. It's, it's I, want, I, want, I want to think highly of others, and I want somebody else to stand out more than me. That one hurts, doesn't it? That one hurts. Actually, Ethan Durham. Yes. You got an example of this? Yeah. Awesome. Sweet. We, we Thank had you. to make him stop trying to give other people the ball. That's he, pretty he awesome. He would dribble like, through all kinds of traffic and like, hand it off to the, one of the weaker members of the team. Here you go. And that is awesome. Shoot it. You miss. He'd go dribble it all the way back. And like, Ethan, just shoot it. He was one of our best players. Yeah. And, uh, but that was very cool. Very so cool. that's what great players do, though. Right. We, we like to think of, uh, I'll give you an example. So I'm, I'm going to talk basketball for just a second. My dad uh, was a basketball coach for 40 years, and um, he, he talked to me one time about Michael Jordan's career. And I don't know how many of you know, but when Michael Jordan first went into the NBA, he was the scoring leader of the first couple of seasons he was in the NBA. Uh, very, very common for him to score 50-plus, 60-plus points in a game. I mean, just he would absolutely destroy scoring records, broke scoring records in all kinds of uh, stadiums all across the country. But they never made the playoffs because it was a one-man show. And when Scottie Pippen showed up a couple years later, and when, believe it or not, Dennis Rodman showed up a couple years later, as goofy as he was, it became somebody else could help bear that burden. And the rings started coming because it wasn't just a one man. It wasn't one person trying to stand out. Then it became multiple people that they just couldn't deal with. So helping somebody else stand out and be successful, that's pretty neat stuff. So that's Philippians 2.3. And then uh, probably my favorite verse in this whole, uh, in today's lesson, Hebrews 10.24. What's, this, what's the subtitle say there? Irritating. <laughs> this is your scratch and sniff verse for the day, okay? It says, uh, and let us consider or to fix one's eyes upon one another in order to stir up. Uh, another way to translate this is to incite or to irritate. That's your blank, to irritate. To irritate agape love and good works. Nobody say good works are beautiful acts. <clears throat> so I am supposed to, this is weird. Okay, you, you, you happen to look up at me, so I'll, I'll talk to you for a second. Um, 
So, so what's going to happen on my birthday this year? You're getting a husband, right? And I get closer to 40, so that's fantastic, right? So, uh, so congratulations on that. We're all excited. Uh, and, and one of the things that you're going to get an opportunity to do is to irritate him. Uh, right? I mean, I mean, it's just in, in ways that neither of you are even aware exist yet. So, and that's okay. It's okay. It's, it's, uh, it does. Um, but, but one of the... But one of the things that you're also going to get an opportunity to do is to irritate him into doing good works. And, and to be an example, in not a nagging way, but to be an example of beautiful acts so that you can do them together in a way that you couldn't do them apart. So, so look for those ways to irritate lovingly in an agape way, seeking his highest good, right? But at the same time, we're to irritate each other. We are. We really are. We're, we're, we're to irritate each other. Um, you know, and, and I get irritated by some of you regularly because you send me text messages. Hey, what about da 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 Should we be doing so-and-so for this and this? I'm like, yes, we probably should. And no, I don't want to deal with it right now. Right? But that's the irritating good works because... If you don't, then I'll be lazy and let things slide and won't lead like I'm supposed to, and that's the way that works. So you have permission. I'm saying it through gritted teeth. You have permission to irritate me for good works, and I'm going to take permission to irritate you too. Okay? So irritating good works. So the application of loving one another attitudes... Love, be like-minded, assume responsibility, put away pride, and do irritatingly beautiful acts. That's, that's a chock-full sentence, isn't it? <laughs> All right, so let's look at a couple actions. So these are the things we're actually going to do that you could see, okay? So the first action, and we're just going to deal with it right up front because it's all over the Scripture, is kissing. Um, there, there's this whole concept of greet one another with a holy kiss. You guys have seen this in the Bible? You ever know had you ever knowed? Wow. <clears throat> and I got a good night's rest last night. That's fantastic. Went into full-fledged shovel right there. Um, have you ever known anybody that when they're reading through this, they go, I don't really know what to do with this. So we'll just kind of set it over here. All right. So the, the Greek one over the holy kiss. So here's what it's talking about. Uh, this is how you said hello. This is how you greeted somebody. This was the equivalent of the modern-day handshake or the holy hug or the side hug or the fist bump or the knuckles or whatever you want to call it. But this was not a man to woman or woman to man. This was a... Here you go. You ready? You're like, where's he going? <laughs> I'm not coming any closer, brother, okay? But this, this was a man to man and a woman to woman, not in any type of uh, erotic sort of way, but this was just a greeting, this is how this works. So, so in no scenario would this be a, I greet somebody else's wife with a kiss. It's not what we're talking about. In no scenario would my wife greet somebody else's husband with a kiss. It's not what we're talking about here. Um, it's actually pretty consistent with the way that churches were set up when believers started to gather together. Um, there's a verse in, where is it? What's that first verse I ever gave you in church, Julie? You remember? Yes. Um, so I was, I was kind of sort of stalking her maybe a little um, and sitting behind her in church. And she was sitting, in, were you sitting in front of me? Yeah, you sitting in front of me. 
And she was sitting with a couple of her girlfriends, and they were chatting and whatnot. And so I just very quietly tried to edify them and pass them the verse about women should keep quiet in the churches, right? And it's, it's in the Scripture. It really is. It's in the Scripture. And the reason it's in the Scripture is that women used to sit on one side. Men used to sit on the other. And it was very common for somebody to have a question. And you would ask, the, the first person you ask a question to is your spouse. So the man would ask the wife or the wife would ask the man. And you'd have these conversations going across the room that would be disruptive to the person speaking, which is why the verse came out and said, shut up while somebody's speaking because it's just rude not to do that, right? So this is where this came from. So this idea of that women set together, the men set together is very consistent with the women kiss the women, the men kiss the men. So enough about kissing. That's how we deal with the action verse on the kissing. Yes, I, I actually... Uh, People's New Testament, I have a quote here. The kiss is still a common salutation in the East as was in the New Testament times. So. Yeah, I think that would mess me up. That would probably... Uh, the, oh, the custom is still preserved in the Greek churches. Yeah. So, so there's that. Um, okay. Uh, so, first Corinthians, so, the next, so we got kissing and then we'll move into caring. So 1 Corinthians 12, 25, that there should be no schism. Anybody know a different word for schism? Schism is not really a word we use a lot of nowadays. Yeah, disagreement, dissension, uh, a rip or a tear. Uh, Who wrote 1 Corinthians? Anybody remember? Paul wrote 1 Corinthians. What was Paul's occupation? He's a tent maker. Uh, I still want to see a Bible study on this. I still want to see a Bible study on all the the sewing terminology that Paul uses throughout all of his letters because I think this is a head nod to one of them. So he, he doesn't want a, a rip or a tear in this beautiful fabric of unity of the body of Christ. Um, and the way that we get that is that the members should have the same care for one another. And the idea is that I should care about you like I care about me, which is really difficult. It's really easy to say, but I should care about you like, like I should care about me. So i got an extended quote from David Gazik here. <clears throat> he said, we should care for one another because we are all part of the same body. The parts of the body work together. The eyes and ears do not only serve themselves, but the whole body. The hands do not only feed and defend themselves, but the whole body. The heart does not only supply blood to itself, but it serves the whole body. And sometimes there is a part of our body which lives only to serve itself. It doesn't contribute anything to the rest of the body, and everything it gets, it uses to feed and grow itself. We call this cancer. Yeah, we call that cancer which is why certain parts of the body are sick because it's just all about that part. It's all about that part. It's all about that part. So uh, I want to care for you like I want to care for me. So we've got kissing and caring and then forgiving. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another. This may have been some of the first verses that you ever taught your children. Right? Be kind to one another. Uh, this is a present imperative tense. Literally, it means keep on becoming kind which kind of gives the impression that we're never really there, right? You never get a full check mark beside your name in the kindness box. It just, you get like a half a check and then maybe tomorrow a third of a check or a little bit, but you're never really all the way there. Um, I say you. I'm never really all the way there. I've changed my pronouns here, right? Um, so be kind one to another, tenderhearted. Uh, anybody have a different word in your translation for tenderhearted for Ephesians 4.32? Flip over there and look. I'm going to bet you don't have the one that I have in my notes. <clears throat> Compassionate, that's good. Ephesians 4.32, anybody got a different word there for the 
the tender-hearted or compassionate. So when in Valentine's Day comes around, uh, we send uh, cards with what organ on them? The heart. Why? Why do we send the heart? It's the seat of love. Oh, it's love, right? That's actually not what the verse says. Uh, because the Greeks did not feel that the heart was the seat of all emotion. The Greeks thought the bowels were the seat of all emotion. Um, <clears throat> I kid you not. It's, it's really, it's, it's the, another way to translate this is your, that, your, that your bowels are easily moved. <laughs> You're like, I did not see that one. You didn't see that one coming, did you? That's a, <laughs> I didn't see that response either, but I'm going to give you that. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> There's just all sorts of stuff we'll have to edit out of this podcast, isn't there? <laughs> um, so have you, ever, have you ever experienced something where something hits you in the gut? When you saw something happen and it was like, oh, wow. That's what they're talking about here. Because you don't actually feel things in your... You feel things in your gut, and that's what they're talking about, is that when you really are emotionally moved, it feels like somebody has hit you, or it feels like somebody, I mean, it's just, that's where you feel it. So, tender-hearted, be kind one to another, tender-hearted. So we are to intentionally feel this way toward other believers. Forgiving one another, and that's a command, it's not a recommendation, even as God in Christ forgave you. So keep on becoming Kind, keep on forgiving. And then Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another. So this is referring to present offenses. So I'm bearing right now. So if, uh, if somebody were to jump up right now and say something really crazy like, uh, let's go worship the devil. I don't know. That's pretty crazy, right? So I'm, I'm to bear with that person to get them to the truth, right? So that's the present. Uh, and then forgiving one another, this is referring to past offenses. So bearing is walking with, forgiving is talking about the past. If anyone has a complaint or a blame against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must, probably just I'm going to circle that word, so you also must do. Not optional. And then the next to last section is comforting. So 1 Thessalonians 4, 18, therefore comfort one another. Now, did it say take comfort in one another? It said comfort one another with these words. So somebody give me the context of 1 Thessalonians 4, 18. Comfort one another with these words. You hear this when? Yeah, it's talking about the second coming. Where do you typically hear this verse read? At funerals, right? Yeah, at funerals. Because, because we will see these, this person again someday. Comfort one another with these words. And this is not a, oh, I'm gonna, I take comfort in that. No, 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 no. This is a command to believers to take those words to somebody and give comfort. It is assuming, here's your blank, it is to assume responsibility for the comfort of other believers in times of death. So when we see somebody hurting, we assume responsibility. Christianity is active. It is reaching out. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.11, just a couple verses later, therefore comfort each other and edify, or to build up. Uh, Guzik calls this um, 
The vision is of a church full of active participants, not passive spectators. Active participants. Comfort each other and edify or build up one another just as you are also doing. So keep doing this. And then the last little section here, exhorting Hebrews 3.13. But exhort, um, and, and exhortation is really kind of uh, uh, encouragement on steroids. So I, I was sick earlier this week and went to, thank you for your feedback, those of you that commented on that Facebook post, by the way. Um, I, I called my doctor, or actually Julie called the doctor Thursday morning, because I had no voice, and said, hey, can you get Jim in for a doctor's appointment today? And they said, actually, we can get him in tomorrow. And I'm going, I'll be dead by tomorrow. I mean, this is horrible. This is, the world is all about me. I need help right now. <laughs> so I immediately went to the best source of information that I know, uh, Facebook, uh, and said, which one of these little walk-in clinics should I go to? And almost everybody said the Doctors Express over here on 153. So I walk in at 8.15 and probably 8.30, walked in about 8.30. And I'm walking out at 8.55 they had given me two steroid shots, uh, two cough medicines, and then something else. I, I had five different things going on. Uh, and I remember thinking, that was pretty good. And about 30 minutes later, I felt fantastic. <laughs> and you know why I felt like that? Because they just shot me full of steroids. I was ready to, I told her about 9.30, I said, I'm ready to run through that wall. Let's go to it. And I think I have to run through the wall. I can jump back through the window. I feel good. And, and that's what exhortation is. For You didn't know where I was going with that, did you? That's what exhortation is with encouragement. It is encouragement on steroids. It is, I am going to, here's your blank, seriously encourage somebody. This is not just, oh, that was wonderful. What a great shot there, Johnny. You got that ball in the hoop. No, 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 no. This is fantastic. This is what we should be doing to Mr. Durham for saying, hey, you shoot. Hey, I want to have you stand out. Those types of things. So to seriously encourage one another. How often? Weekly, right? Monthly. Once a year. No? How often? Now, what does that assume? It, it, it assumes there's some type of a connection, right? It assumes there's some type of an interaction. And people ask me all the time, well, I don't, I don't think we ought to go to church that often. Well, okay. Well, how else are you seeing the believers? Are you, are you, show me your mechanism for engaging on a regular basis. And church is really just kind of like the first step in this. Because you go to church every time the doors are open, and you can't do the daily thing. This requires more than church services. That's my big very audacious sentence for applying to one another action. So greet one another. See yourself as part of a whole. W-H-O-L-E. See yourself as part of a whole. Forgive quickly. Comfort often. And exhort daily. Exhort daily. So who are you exhorting? Who are you exhorting? Who am I exhorting? I'll turn around myself. This is good. So this is week one of the one another's. This is kind of a shotgun type approach. You know, I, I like doing uh, rifle lessons, but today's a shotgun lesson. Next week will be a shotgun lesson, uh, and then we'll go from there. So thanks for coming to Sunday School today.
Uh, there's a piece of paper on your table in the middle. It says the weekly update, so a whole bunch of prayer requests. Take a sec and, and review those ongoing requests and help us make any updates that need to be made there. Uh, add any new ones. Uh, make sure your name is down on the list that, that you are here today. And uh, thanks for coming. Thank <laughs> you.